we are having service Christmas Day, but it's going to be a Christmas production by the kids. And um, I, I was asking just to make sure, because I was going to have to pull rank if this uh, wasn't happening. But we want the little ones in it too, preschoolers, right? Because that guarantees a certain level of chaos that I find very important in a Christmas production, right? I pray. I've told, I've told children's pastors, youth pastors this for years. I pray that it does not go well. <clears throat> because you think, you think as mom and dad when your four-year-old's up there or your eight-year-old's up there doing something and you're taking pictures and they look just perfect and everything's going well, you think you want everything to go very nice. But if it goes perfect and nice and nothing wrong happens, you will never show that video again. <clears throat> right? Okay. Um, I also wanted to mention something that uh, happened this week. Sometimes, sometimes you don't get an inside look at some things, and I think it's educational for us all to see that um, <clears throat> everybody has struggles in their lives. Um, I, went to, I was going to go get a haircut this week, and um, my wife said to me as I was leaving, she said, come back pretty or don't come back at all. That's harmful. You said it. Stand up right now and tell everybody you didn't say that. Guys, words matter. And they hurt sometimes. I haven't been back home yet. <laughs> May never get there. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so I've been saying for I've been saying for close to 20 years that the next step and our, our society's decay and dilapidation morally is going to be pedophilia that is going to come, become mainstream. There's always been pedophilia, but it's going to become accepted and it's going to become mainstream. And we're starting to see that at all kinds of crazy levels in our country. There's even a new movement now called MAP, M-A-P, which is Minor Attracted Persons. And uh, they, they are gaining a lot of um, control and authority. They are pushing themselves into school districts and things like this all across the nation. We're, this is also the whole, um, the whole, um, oh, so-and-so didn't kill himself. Who was that? Epstein. Epstein, yeah. Okay, this is the whole Epstein thing, that he had an island where it was pedophile island, that uh, major players in Washington, D.C., one of the main, Bill Clinton visited it 37 times that we know for sure. Um, this, is, this is why I, I've been saying from the beginning the main reason that Washington didn't like Trump wasn't because he tweeted. It's because he said he was going to drain the swamp, and the swamp, the swamp he was talking about, I believe, was pedophilia because he went after that more than anything else, human trafficking pedophilia. And uh, this, is, this is becoming part of our existence. There's actually a show right now on Broadway. There's a Broadway show that is about pedophilia. And it is making it to be um, uh, good and common. These are just normal people in, the, uh, in New York City that just are attracted sexually to children and they want you to know their stories. The Washington Post came out and, and saluted it saying that the pedophilia play was brilliant and well done. Guys, this, this is where we are as a country right now. And this is why we have to push back against this stuff. This is why you can't just, can't just take this stuff for granted. We, we've seen a lot of this stuff being pushed into the schools where the, the transgender thing. In fact, I had somebody call the, the church this week and to yell at me. And I, and I usually let people do that. They want to call and yell and gripe. I'll give them a few minutes. Not, not a real long time. But, um, like, I'll put it on speakerphone and play cards or something, you know, but... But um, she said, uh, you said that transgender people are pedophiles. I've never said transgender people are pedophiles. But I have said people that are trying to make children in schools transgender and subjecting to them to that, those people are pedophiles. And I think they should be put in jail for it. I think teachers, administrators, counselors that are, that are allowing this and pulling these people into the school to um, help us to broaden our horizons... If it was done 100 yards outside the school, 
they'd be put in jail for it because it's pedophilia. Why do we let it in the schools? It's not okay. And I think I have the ability to actually do something about that now. That this is going to, this is, you're going to go to jail for that kind of stuff. Because you always have been, had to go to jail for that. But now in the public schools, it's okay. Because this is dangerous. Every major society that's collapsed in the history of mankind has had this as one of the last um, hinge pins for, for societal development. Or actually, I don't consider it development. I consider it um, dilapidation. I consider it moral decay. Something else that came out this week. Now, we've known all this. We've known this for a long time. In fact, if you remember two plus years ago, when during the beginning of COVID, there in the beginning, so it'd be close to three years now, of the pandemic, everything, I, and they started pushing the vaccines and everything, I, I basically said, I said this over and I begged, I begged you, if you are a young woman that is ever wanting to have children, do not get the vaccine. If you are wanting to have children, do not get the vaccine. Uh, this is not some conservative think tank that's come up with this. This is Pfizer's own internal data that they released this last week. Pfizer said, the people that make the vaccine said that, that women that get the vaccine, the miscarriage rate is 80%. This is not coincidence. This is not just an anomaly. This is what we've been saying from the beginning. This vaccine is deadly. Specifically, young women stay away from it. Don't, if you already had the vaccine, don't get the boosters. Don't get all this other stuff. There's so many statistics that came out about the vaccine this week. I'm, I'm not going over them all, but just dangerous, crazy stuff that, uh, that, that we're seeing with this. That the, that the um, I am going to go over some. That, that the... Uh, Heart conditions and heart rate. In fact, I, I saw this from New Zealand. A family was trying, their, their, their child, their baby, months old baby needs a heart transplant and heart surgery. And so they said, we only want the blood that is to be put, the transfusion of blood to be done with unvaccinated blood. The government of New Zealand has, has uh, made a petition to the courts to take over the parental rights of this child and give the child a surgery with vaccinated blood because the parents are not responsible enough to handle their own children. That is, that is right now happening. Guys, it's, it's crazy where we have come to. And all the stuff, just read anything about Fauci that's come out in the last three or four weeks. Oh, okay, all right. I think that's enough. <clears throat> I mean, I got stuff. I got more. I want us to, to look at um, what, what being a Christian is. That's a good idea for a Sunday service, isn't it? What is, what is being a Christian? This is, this is something that I've always find interesting is how people define these things and how they use different types of language and how they even use language out of the Bible, different things from Scripture. But then, but then what we do is we turn these words, these terms, this phrasing, we turn it into something else, to mean something else. Um, so what does, what does the word Christian mean? Um, the, the, the actual word means uh, Christ-like, or another way you could say that would be a Christ-follower. Christ-like, Christ-follower. So, so that's, that's what the word is, means, but is that when we use the word Christian in today's society, is that, is that what we mean? Um, do we mean somebody that is a Christ follower? Is that somebody that is following Christ? Or do we mean somebody that goes to church, to a Christian church? Um, I've, I've heard the, the word Christian used for people that don't have any faith in relationship with God, whatever, except that they were born in a Christian-based uh, country, like America or some Europe con European country that started with a Christian background. So they're called Christians. Uh, what, is, what does it actually mean to be a Christian, Christ-like, or to be a Christ follower? At, at what particular time do you choose to say, well, I'm not following Christ anymore. I'm going to follow something else. I mean, if you're following Christ, that means you're going the direction he's wanting to go, that your steps are being ordered by him, that your direction is being ordered by him. So if you are a Christ follower, doesn't, doesn't that mean you're going his direction? 
Well, what if he's going this direction and you're going this direction? <clears throat> this is why I always, this is an easy one to pick on. There's, you can pick on a lot of stuff with this. But this is why I, I, I say I don't understand how somebody can call themselves a Christian, a Christ follower, not a, a church attender. You can call yourself that all day long, which is what we usually mean when we're talking about Christian. I've asked this question many times to somebody. Are you a Christian? They'll say, uh, yeah, I go to a Baptist church or yeah, I go to whatever. That's, that's not what I asked. I don't even care. What, does that make you a Christian? How did, um, how did Keith Green say it? It doesn't make you Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Right? Now, here is, here is the thing with this. How, do you, how would you define Christian? Being Christ, I'm saying for yourself, you need to figure this out. How do you define being a Christian? Well, I pray, talk to God, go to church, read the Bible, this kind of thing. Okay, but are you a Christ follower? Are you being Christ-like? So if you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I, I believe in murdering babies in the womb. Well, that's not the direction Jesus is going. You're not following Jesus. That's not Christ-like. That's not anything like Jesus. Jesus is the opposite of that. He created the child. Why would he kill it? He created that baby. And when humans kill those babies... You're not Christ-like. You're not a Christ follower. This is the same question I get when people talk about, I, I, and I get this question all the time as a pastor. Can you lose your salvation? What does that mean? Ask yourself what that means. What is salvation? Is salvation, that you, is that a card you got in your pocket? Is that a, is that a membership card? Is that, did you sign something? Is this, a, is this some kind of um, contract? And I've heard people say, well, yeah, it's a covenant. Yeah, but what does covenant mean? Because that's the same as a contract. There's a covenant. A covenant has a if and on both sides. If you're a Christ follower, you're saved, you belong to Jesus, you're a Christ follower. When you stop following Christ, are you still a Christ follower? You say, but am I still saved? I, I don't, what does that mean? See, I don't think we're even using that term. I don't understand how we use that term. Save from what? Save from hell. What, what saves you from hell? The blood of Jesus. Well, how do you get the blood of Jesus? You ask him to cover you with this blood. You do that in faith. Because why? You want to marry him someday. He's now your redeemer. The whole story of Ruth. He's now your redeemer. He has redeemed you. And now your covenant is you belong to him. You are now following him. You now serve him. You're now committed to him. And you're going to work at being Christ-like. So when does that stop? We use the term lose your salvation. That doesn't even make sense. That's not a legitimate term. That's not a legitimate question. The question is, are you following Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Is he still your redeemer? Is he still your, your husband-to-be? Are you still engaged to him as the bride? Are you still going the direction he wants you to go? Then you are completely secure in him. Completely. But if you stop following him and you start following something else, then that's the follower you are. You're no longer a Christ follower. You're a something else follower. That's, that's by common sense definition, that's the definition. See, see, Christ is still going. He's still heading a direction. Are you following that or are you doing your own thing? Once you switch and start doing your own thing, you're now following something or somebody else. You're no longer Christ-like or a Christ follower. And we, don't, we play with words, and we play with words always to our benefit, very rarely to our, to our negative, right? We don't usually come up with a paradigm that's, that's impossible for us or, or attacks us. We come up with a paradigm that works for us. Are you a Christ follower? Keeping your eyes on Jesus. In John chapter 3, John says that I may decrease so that you may increase, talking about Jesus. Now, here's, here's where I really want to drill down for us this morning. I think the church in Western society has been trained for a few hundred years now, probably longer than that, but at least that long, 
has been trained to be very reactionary rather than proactive. We react. Something happens, we react. Uh, something happens in our lives, and um, we begin to pray. Something happens in our relationships, take marriage. Something happens in our marriage, and so we think about going to counseling. Some of the healthiest marriages are marriages that have accountability and are going to like marriage retreats or doing or keeping a marriage journal or discussing this or do a devotion together or go to counseling even though they don't there's not they're not like on the verge of divorce. Because why? That's proactive. You don't go to a marriage retreat because your marriage is falling apart. I mean you do. Don't you need to go if your marriage is falling apart, go to a marriage retreat. But if your marriage is good, go to a marriage retreat. I don't eat bacon just because I'm hungry. I eat bacon all the time. I eat bacon when I'm stuffed. We need to look at that, about being proactive. I think ahead. I plan ahead. We don't do this within our Christianity. We wait for something to happen. We wait for a difficult life to happen, and then we begin to seek God for that. We, we, something difficult goes on at, at work, and we begin to pray about that. Instead of being proactive, intentional, we're not, we're not wired in Western society that way when it comes to our Christian walk. Everything is react, react. Well, this happens where we're going to react, this is why the church has been losing, or I would say even the body of Christ or the kingdom, not just the church. The body of Christ has been losing many battles societally for, for decades now. is because we have been reactionary instead of being proactive in the different areas of our life. Get proactive. If, you're, if you've got a kid in school, you should run for school board. You should be going to those parent-teacher organization meetings. You should be thinking about this kind of stuff. Because why? They're teaching your kids things that are not healthy for your kids. Go to the school board and ask them what SEL is and ask them how to explain it to you. And then give, ask them to give you examples of SEL exercises in schools. You'd be surprised. Well, they sit around in circle and they affirm each other. And if anybody says anything negative about any child because of a Strong belief in their life, they are ostracized and attacked. That's SEL. Ask questions, do stuff. Why? Because you're being proactive, not reactionary. When your kid comes home, two years going to this new school, and all of a sudden they're saying and doing things, you're like, when did this happen? Who are you hanging around with? Who are you hanging around with? You're sending them to a group of people every day. That's who they're hanging around with. They're also hanging around with that teacher and the counselors and the administrators and the mascot. I don't just say whoever, the janitor. That's their, that's their people. Do you know any of these people? Being proactive. Are we intentionally following the steps that the Lord has given us? Are we doing it ourselves? At what point in your day is it okay to not ask Jesus about something? When You, you can do it yourself. I've had people say, well, I do the same thing every day. I don't, I don't need to ask Jesus about everything. You should be having a conversation with him all day long. Here's, here's one of the things you can do is a litmus test. How many people have you prayed for, ministered to, witnessed to, been concerned with their lives that day? Maybe your routine is part of the problem. Maybe you need to be talking to the Lord more because you already know how to do everything in your world. And asking him, Lord, shake my life up. Do something to get me to care about somebody, to put me in a place to talk to somebody so I can pray for somebody. Minister, do something, Lord, in my life that you are directing my steps and I'm not just stepping in the same step every day, day after day after day. But you're directing my steps. Psalm 37, verse 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by their hand. So I think being Christ-like is an active or should be an active, uh, a proactive approach to life. 
See, when John says that I may decrease so that the Lord may increase, I believe that's a proactive thing. The way that we usually use it is very passive. That means I'm going to be humble and I'm going to live my life um, serving Jesus, loving him, worshiping him. Yeah, but if you are intentionally saying, Lord, I am decreasing, that means you are intentionally saying the things that I'm doing, my directions, my attitudes, my path, the steps that I am um, setting for myself, Lord, I am stopping those, I'm cutting those off, and I'm saying, Lord, you decrease so that I am following you. I'm not leading. I'm not going out there. I'm following you. You are ordering my steps. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? You're being intentional. My steps are not my steps. I am decreasing. I believe if you really approach this properly, it's supposed to be, that's a proactive stance to life. My proactive stance is I decrease, I push myself out of the way and say, Lord, today's your day. What do you want done? Who do you, well, I'm still going to go to the same job. Sure. I still go to the same office. But I've got other people in other offices around here that need Jesus. That's my responsibility to witness to them. That was a joke if you're paying attention. I hope it was a joke. I think it's a joke. But when you're going to the grocery store, you're looking for the opportunity. You're looking for relationships. I don't. Guys, you understand. I don't. My idea of going to the grocery store is going and do something and not talk to anybody. I don't want to have the conversations. We're walking down the aisle, and somebody's there, and immediately I hear Linda say, well, hello, and I think, oh, no, because it's going to be 30-minute conversation with this person over pickles. I don't, I, that grates against me. This is why I say, Lord, I need to decrease because that person might need that conversation. For, forever. I can't even remember if, if there was ever a point. I started this or it's just been. But I always engage people when I'm at a restaurant. I always engage the waiter, talk to them like, like friends and family. I talk to them like that. We'll include them in. We'll talk to them about life and different things like that. Um, uh, Isaac and I were at a, at a restaurant Friday night. We're talking to the guy and just joking around and hanging out with the guy. And, and we were, we'd already paid the bill and everything. We're getting up to leave and he just stopped us and said, I want to thank you for including me in, in the humor. I want to thank you for your humor and including me in your conversation like I was just part of you guys tonight. I thought, you know, and there's no telling what he was going through. And then he did say, it was kind of a nicer restaurant. And he said, because nobody ever does that. Most people treat waiters and waitresses like they're, they're, they're servants in some 18th century castle or something. Do this. Do this. You know, I'm even to the point, I'm not trying to tell you to do this. I just don't understand why we treat people the way we do. If I were something they bring me the wrong thing, I'll just eat it. I'll just eat it and I'll be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever not wanted. <clears throat> because Why? I used to be like, you know, they need to know, because I was a waiter back in the day. They need to know. They need, you know, I just, I think, the, I think the relationship potential is more important than whether you got the meal right. That's just me. Unless it's like very, very rare and you're a vegan. <laughs> All right, so. <clears throat> but I, I, I think sometimes we put all of our, just ourself, it's so much in the mix. Instead of being Christ followers. Following Christ. How would he treat those people? How would he talk to those people? Well, I had another conversation. I think it was a couple weeks ago. We had a restaurant and this lady, a lot of things happen at restaurants for me. So this, this lady was being trained as the waitress. And there was, so there's two of them. And got talking about it. I was like, what did you do before you did this? You could tell she didn't want to answer the question. She said, well, I was in the Navy. I was like, you were in the Navy? I was in the Navy. You were in the Navy. I was in the Navy. And, uh, and I said, why did you get out? And she did not want to answer. She didn't want to talk to me about it. But I kind of sensed what was going on. And I said, was it the vaccine? She said, yes. I didn't want to get the vaccine. And so they kicked me out. I high-fived her. I would have hugged her, but it wasn't been inappropriate. But I high-fived her and I said, let me tell you, I, I back you 100%. It is illegal for the military to make you do that. 
stand strong. I said, do you want to get back in the Navy? She said, yeah, I would love to, but I'll have to wait till all this gets figured out. And I said, I also happen to be a very powerful political figure. <laughs> and I'm going to try to help you with this. Guys, it's, it's horrendous that somebody would make you put something in your body. It's, it's horrendous. Think, think about how, how quickly that could, well, it already has gone by, but think about what that could mean. We just legalized hallucinogens. What if they want to mandatory put hallucinogens in your body? You say, well, they'll never do that. Okay. Apparently you haven't been awake the last two or three years. This is crazy. Matthew chapter 10. This is the proactive mentality. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Do you understand how proactive that thinking that is? You're like, well, sheep are not very active, proactive kind of animals. Right, but the Lord is telling you that's what you're going to be. You're not a sheep. He's telling you he's wanting you to be like a sheep going out among the wolves. In other words, you are going out as lunch for wolves. They're going to tear you apart. They're going to they're do everything they can to destroy life. And Jesus says, but that's how I'm sending you. I'm not sending you as the wolf. I'm sending you as the sheep. But then he also says, but it's okay because I'm the shepherd. And I'm going to take care of this. And I'm going to take care of you. But you need to know every step you're taking, you're going among wolves. Get that in your mind and know that because that's proactive thinking. Most Christians think we are sheep among sheep. And we're not. We are sheep among demonic powers and principalities and rulers in high places. We are, we are going into the spiritual battle. It's not against people. It's not against other people. It's not against flesh and blood. That's not your enemy. They are trapped. They are the, they are the dupes in the process. You have the information and the knowledge. You're supposed to love them and care for them, even though they may drive you crazy, because they are being devoured by the wolves. But they're sheep too. And he says, be as shrewd as snakes. Quiet, stealthy, intelligent, and be as harmless as doves. Not full of attitude, not full of belligerence, but like doves. See, I think, I'm not a big fan of like protests and stuff like that. I, do, I believe it has its place. But my thing is, spend that, spend that hour you're going to be standing on a street corner with a sign irritating traffic and and go talk to somebody or pray about this and, and be intentional in your conversations. Be intentional in your lifestyle. Live Christ-like in your community. Live Christ-like at church. Live Christ-like. You say, well, of course we're living Christ-like at church. Hmm. That doesn't always happen. Live Christ-like at work. Live Christ-like at school. Live Christ-like in the grocery store. Live Christ-like in traffic. Live Christ-like. And you're going to accomplish more than standing on a corner with a sign. Because you're being Christ-like. You're being intentional. You're being proactive. You're thinking. You're thinking ahead. Pray, pray the night before for some of the people at work that you know are going through difficult things. Pray, God, help them through the situation. Give me the words to say when I get there. Right? He says, but beware, for you will be handled, handed over to the courts, and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you're my followers. And the next sentence does not say, but I will rescue and keep you away from all of these things because I never want you to ever have to go through anything. What he says is, but this will be your opportunity. In other words, the Lord is being intentional. He's got you in that mess. So that you can say something, so that you can be something, so that you can say the right words and you can be the person you're supposed to be because they need to hear truth even though they may be attacking you for that truth. They still need to hear it because truth is what will set them free. And they need to hear that. They need to hear the truth. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you're arrested, not 
I will keep you from ever being arrested. Now, there's some provision. I'm going to read some stuff in Psalms 91 that talks about God will protect us and keep us. You should read all 16 verses of Psalms 91. It talks a lot about that. A thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. Well, it won't come to you. I believe God protects us and keeps us and provides and covers and, and all this other stuff. But he's saying, you will stand trial. You will stand before people. You will be put in these very difficult situations. He says, you will be flogged. I've never been flogged. And I was in the Navy. We had stopped flogging by the time I got in. He says, but this will be an opportunity. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that proactive? But how you do that? You become a Christ follower. Not a you follower, not something else. A Christ follower. I'll tell you a big thing in this atmosphere of our country right now, not even a Republican follower or Democrat follower, a Christ follower, a Christ follower. Just because somebody's a Republican and they say they're a Christian, let me tell you, that doesn't mean anything. Watch their fruits. Watch what they do. Watch what they say. Are they a Christ follower? God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Man, that's what I look forward to. That's a, that's a daily pursuit of mine. Lord, give me an opportunity where you can speak through me. How exciting is that? How wonderful. Where you, where you push yourself back, push yourself out of the picture, push yourself out of the conversation, and then just let the Holy Spirit begin to speak through you. Let the Holy Spirit begin to, to love through you and to connect and to minister through you. And that's the, that's the greatest. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own children. Children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you're my followers. So I don't know if you've been paying attention, but this, um, um, this marriage act that was just signed this uh, last week, uh, was signed by all the Democrats and was signed by, I think it's either 12 or 14 Republicans that signed it. And a lot of people don't know this. They're not paying attention to the language. I actually read this stuff and I actually pay attention to the language. It basically has just allowed churches, any 501c3s, nonprofit, ministry organizations, focus on the family, compassion, navigators, um, uh, Christian schools, it just set them up to be sued. They are, they are now in the crosshairs to be sued because if they say anything like, well, that's not what we believe, you'll be sued for that now. And they just set it up. These, these Republicans, I expected it from the other, that other side. But these Republicans that signed it and said, no, we're in favor of this. You, you need to be paying attention to the Liz Cheney's and the, and the Mitt Romney's that are doing this stuff. These are ungodly, deceptive people. They are attacking the, the body of Christ. I'm not, I'm not concerned about the taxes and stuff like that with this. I'm saying they're attacking the body of Christ. Guys, this stuff, you, you, we got to stand up against this stuff. They're hurting children. They're hurting Christians. They're hurting Christian organizations. We've got to do something about it. He says, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. So three things. One, you will be attacked because you love Jesus. That's only going to get worse. But that doesn't mean you stop loving him, right? I'm not saying you're going to be attacked because you go to a church. There's plenty of churches in this town you won't get attacked for. We're quickly becoming one that that doesn't apply. Sorry about that. Um, some of my staff said to me this week, you have ruined our church. <laughs> yeah, but it's funner, right? It's funner. I don't know if it's funner. It's not for me. Not, not because you go to a church would be attacked. That doesn't matter. Not because you say you're a Christian will you be attacked. 
You'll be attacked because you actually love Jesus. You love him. You have a relationship with him. Because when you love him and you have a relationship, you act different than just somebody going to a church. You act different than somebody just calls himself a Christian. When you love Jesus, when you really love him, you act different. It doesn't, it doesn't take long at all for you, for you, if you did not know me, it's not going to take long at all for you to know some very basic things about me. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love my grandkids and some other. Oh, and my kids. <laughs> I, love, I love those people. And bacon. And bacon, yeah, that comes up fairly regularly. But, but you're going to know that. Why? Because I really do love those people. It's hard for me. It's hard for me. I just had a conversation yesterday. I was getting my hair cut, and they said something about Thanksgiving. I said, yeah, I'd, my, I brought my grandkids uh, to Colorado. And she said, I'm not making this up. She said, there's no way that you are old enough to have grandkids. I did. I just started throwing money. What would you say? Say it again. <laughs> You will be attacked because you love Jesus. You will be attacked if you really, really love Jesus. But here's the other side of that. I think it's actually a small percentage compared to how much you actually get to connect with people and minister to them, though. We always kind of focus on the attack side. But loving Jesus really is a great life. It's the best thing going. You can connect with people and say things and do things that, that bring life and light and excitement and purpose to people's life. Why? Because you really love Jesus. Not because you go to a church, but because you really love Jesus. Your life is so much better. So much more. And that's where you get peace and you get joy and you get all this other stuff. The second thing, the Holy Spirit will guide you. This is the purpose and the reason oftentimes for the Lord to, to get you into a certain situation because he wants you to say something. And we do everything we can. This is part of Christian thinking. We do everything we can to stay away from conflict and just to be nice and everybody just, just get along. Jesus never just tried to get along. He did the opposite. Every sentence he said. He's going to put you in situations and settings, not so that you'll just get along, but so that you can actually do something. You can be a, it's about a purpose, it's about a moment, it's about a reason, it's about a sentence. And he's putting you in those things. He will put you where he needs you, but you've got to be willing. And that's the part where you say that I may decrease so that you may increase. Why? Because I want to be Christ-like. I don't want to be Scott-like. I, don't, I know many of you probably do, but I don't. I want to be Christ-like. Don't be Scott-like. Be Christ-like. Can I get an amen? I know I, that's an amenable one, right? Okay. And here's the other thing. Look in the mirror and say, don't be that like either. Be Christ-like. Don't be this person-like. Be Christ-like. Don't be this situation-like. Be Christ-like. I'm going to be intentional and be Christ-like. Psalms 91 verse 1. How do I be this person? Those who live. How do I be this Christ-like person? Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. That's intimacy. That's closeness. In the shelter of the Most High. And then he takes it even one more step of closeness. And he says, you will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's pretty close. In the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, not my bank account, not my job, not my physical health. The, he alone, the Lord alone is my refuge. He is my place of safety. <clears throat> he is my God. I trust him. For he will rescue from every trap. He will protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. Even when you're brought before the kings in your question and thrown into the lion's den, the Lord still takes care of you. But he might have needed you before the king. And he might need you to get thrown in the lion's den. Do you realize how important it was for me today and for you today for Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den? I don't know if Daniel was willing to, for that to happen for us. But it's important that Daniel throw in the lion's den because it helps me now today. The same thing with you. Some of the things you're going to go through, somebody will stand on your foundation and your testimony because of this. 
He will rescue you from every trap, protect you from de- deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Closeness, his faithful promises or his truth, his faithful promises are your armor and protection. A lot of translations say this sentence differently. Some of them say, King James says, shield and buckler. One says, one translation said, shield and little shield. That's not a good translation of this. It's the shield, armor, shield, and protection, which is actually an offensive thing. It's the sword. His truth is your sword. It says that in Ephesians also. His truth is your sword. That you have a shield and you have a sword. What is it? It's the words of God. It's not your words. It's not your, it's not your bank account. It's not your, your job. That's not your armor and your, and your sword. Jesus' words, his truth is your armor and your sword. I want to show you a video. And um, <clears throat> I think this is one of the coolest movies ever made. And uh, there's just so much about it. I, I, I think quotes from this movie all the time. I say quotes from this movie all the time because I, and it's amazing. One of the quotes, this is not the scene I'm showing you, but one of the quotes, this is about the, the movie is 300 and it's about the Spartans. And uh, one particular time they say, we will rain down, we will, we will block the sun out with our arrows. And he says, then we'll fight in the shade. I love that. Send all the arrows you want. We are not afraid. Guys, as Christians, are we thinking that way? Is that who we want? Satan, send whatever you got. Send whatever you got. I am not worried. This whole season that I'm in right now, that's the thing that just keeps coming to my mind. Hit me with your best shot. I am not worried. I'm not scared. Do the best you got. I have people all the time telling me, and, and yes, I have already been tried to be set straight by three different House Republicans that explained to me, you've got to stop. They said, we are a, we are a one subject party and we have got to stop um, standing for abortion so much. We have got to start toning that message down. And I said, how, how do you do that? How do you tone murder down? Do you want to use a different word? Infanticide's a good one. How about complete dismemberment up until death? That's a good term. How do we water this down? I've, had, I've already had people trying to set me straight of how, how this, is, this is how we all get along. I'm not going to tell you all the conversation. You'd be surprised at what they actually say. Linda gets to listen. I put it on speakerphone for her to listen when they're talking to me. I'm like, hey, did you kind of watch it? And then we both just go, oh, the whole time they're talking. And we do it with disdain, don't we? Yes. Just, just trying to get me to compromise and trying to get me to not stand so strong. Like, I'm not scared of you. I will fight in the shade. Shoot every arrow you've got. I want to show you this clip because this clip is about who we're supposed to be. How we're supposed to think. That you're not a... See, this is what we do in the church. Well, I'm a... I'm a Life group leader, that's good. That's not who you are, though. That's what you do. You're a Christ follower. Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm part of the worship team. That's not who you are. That's what you do. You are a Christ follower. Well, I do this. That's what you do, but, it's, but who you are is a Christ follower. We need more Christ followers in the fight than any of the other things that we might think. Let me show you this video. Only the hard and strong may call themselves Spartans. Only the hard. Only the strong. For our families, for our freedoms, we march. 
Back sauce. What a pleasant surprise. This morning's full of surprises, Leonidas. We've been tricked. Be more than a few hundred. This is a surprise. Silence. This isn't an army. We heard Sparta was on the warpath. We were eager to join forces. If it is blood you seek, you're welcome to join us. Could you bring only this handful of soldiers against Xerxes? You see, I was wrong to expect Sparta's commitment to at least match our own. Doesn't it? You, there. What is your profession? I'm a potter. So. And you, Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. You? Blacksmith. Spartans! What is your profession? You see, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. Guys, when we go into our day every day, we need to make sure that, and the best that I can say, even as Church of Briargate, that we're sending more Christ followers into the workplace. That we're sending more Christ followers into the schools. We're sending more Christ followers into the community. Not church people. Not all the stuff that we try to attach to ourselves. But I'm a Christ follower. And there needs to be more Christ followers coming from here than anything that we can say we brought more Christ followers because that's who we are. We're, we're, we're going into the battle, but we're not going into the battle as warriors. We're going into the battle as Christ followers. And when you're a Christ follower, that means you're a warrior. That means you're a prayer warrior. That means you're a warrior of the word. That means you're, that you love people in the context of the war. We're going as Christ followers. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to put, <clears throat> I'm going to give us a moment to put feet to this. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite you to come down front. And the coming down front is not for me. It's not so that we can all be here together. It's so that you can put, take a step, a step of faith, a, a commitment step that says, Lord, I want this step to be yours. You've ordered my steps. I want to put my foot, I want to put my foot in your footprint because I'm right behind you. I'm following you. And I don't want any of my, my, my footprints to go outside of your footprints because then I'm following me. I want my footsteps to follow you. I don't want to be a Christ follower. Commit to that. Lord, we submit this moment right now. We submit ourselves to you. And Jesus, I don't, I don't want to live my life my way. God, I pray for anybody in this room that's kind of on the fence in the middle, playing the edges, not all in with you. Lord, we got to get all in with you. Help us to turn around and chase the cross. Lord, we're going to follow you. We're going to follow you away from the middle, the fence. Lord, we're going to follow you. My life is yours. I'm a Christ follower. Jesus, I will follow you to life. I will follow you to death. I'll follow you any direction. Whatever that means, wherever that takes me, I'll follow you. Lord, and I won't be, I won't be scared of the, the stuff because I'm following you. You'll give me the words to say. You'll give me the place to be. You'll give me the moment because I'm following you. give you this moment just to, to it, again, it's a you thing that you I want to invite everybody to the front, but to say, I'm following 
you, Jesus. I'm a Christ follower. I take this stance. I take this stand. I make this covenant with you this morning. I'm a Christ follower. And I want to I make it a little more than just standing there and saying this. You say, well, I'm not really a step out and come down front kind of person. Then it will be even more powerful for you when you do it. Make the commitment. Lord, I'm a Christ follower. So I invite you to take the step. Come down, just spread out along the front. And we're just going to pray this. We're just going to commit this and ourselves to Lord this moment. God, you know my heart. Lord, I'm following in your footsteps. I'm making a commitment to you. Guys, telling from your own heart, Lord, I make this commitment to you. If there's wavering in your life somewhere or places that you know need to be worked on, repent right now. Tell him, Lord, forgive me. I want to follow you. Take that off the table, Lord. I'm following you. Places where you've been distracted. Lord, forgive me. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to seek you. I make this commitment. I'm going to follow you in the word. I'm going to follow you in prayer. I'm going to follow you with my life. I'm going to follow you with my relationships. In any area that's weak right now, Lord, forgive us. Fix it, shore it up. Show us what we need to do differently. Lord, we're going to follow you. Jesus, I'm a Christ follower. Jesus, I follow you. I follow your steps. I follow your path. I follow your words. I speak your words. In the name of Jesus. Tell him, make the commitment. He'll show you things you need to change. Change them. Right now, make it a decision. I'm changing this. Lord, I repent. I change this. He'll show you. And then tell the Lord, I'm a Christ follower. That I may decrease so that you may increase. So that you can increase in every area of my life. So that you can increase at work that I decrease. In my community, my friends, that I may decrease and that you may increase among my friendships and my relationships. That what I say and do will be pleasing to you, Lord God. Where I go will be pleasing to you because I'm a Christ follower. Not my will, but yours, Lord. Not my marriage, not my family, not my job, not my resources, my money, my time, but yours, it's yours. I'm following you. You lead the way. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to have opportunities constantly. You're going to have opportunities to compromise. It's guaranteed. Satan will want that. People around you want that. Sometimes even people that really care about you don't get it and they'll try to get you to compromise. But just make the decision. I'm a Christ follower. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the chance. Let somebody know Jesus loves them. Use something, anything, any moment, conversation, something to let somebody know. Be praying about your coworkers tonight so that you can talk to them about Jesus tomorrow. And God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So, shake somebody's hand. Enjoy the fact that they're here also. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.